Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. And we are live. Hey, everybody. I'm Ryan. And I'm Steve, and this is 60 Cycle Hum, the guitar buying, selling, trading, modding, fixing, breaking, reviewing, playing podcast. That's right. The podcast with two men with beards. One has brown hair. One has blonde hair. Here is the first ad sent to us by Damian Michael. It is a Gibson EB2 1960 Gold Sparkle Refin. This is that big sparkle that you like. Oh, yeah. I love this big, big sparkle. This is beautiful. This is making this is me feel things. Gibson EB2 Vintage Bass Stunning Gold Sparkle Refinish. Plays well, but the string lineup is more to the treble side than it seems it should be. Uh, action is set high. The bass could use some setup work or uh, modifications due to the above mentioned men- uh, to get your playing style preference. As such, the bass is sold as is. has a Japanese reissue pickup. Some routing of the pickup cavity took place to enlarge the cavity to fit a uh, a bigger pickup. Headstock has, a, has had a repair still in the body. Original case in fair shape. Please ask questions. Thanks for looking. <laughs> Are you what ready questions to, do you have ready for this seller? Ask the questions, Steve. Uh, man, I don't know. I don't know what questions I want to ask. My question is, can I have this done to a different guitar? <laughs> I don't play the long guitar. But, man, that's pretty. I want to know, if, did, this, did these guitars originally have banjo tuners? That's a good question. I I kind of doubt it. That looks like an aftermarket thing to me because I I don't can't remember any any Gibson other than you know Firebird or Thunderbird or whatever that had the banjo tuners. I don't even know if I've okay. So I'm definitely not seeing any of just you know what I think some of them did. Oh, interesting. I think that's so strange. It's kind of a slick look, honestly. Well, it's just weird because, like, offhand, I don't even—I don't even know if I knew that banjo tuners exist. <laughs> There's something out there for everyone, man. The, the parts exist. You want to put banjo tuners on your bass? They exist somewhere, Steve. You just have to buy this guitar, then you can swap them around. Yeah, I guess. What do you think of this thing? Does does this tickle a uh, uh. a bass itch for you? Um, not this. I'm not as big into Gold Flake as you are. I kind of feel like I mostly have this happening already with the this guy. Wood. Oh yeah, Got a lot of these. Just the semi hollow thing. The uh-huh. semi hollow bases are a lot of fun. Uh, you know, you can really hear yourself while you're playing. So that's that's a cool thing. Yeah. Oh, that's why. Thing. That's weird. Are you having technical issues over there? The the speaker volume on my uh, on my computer was turned down super low. Oh, okay, that explains the issues I didn't know you were having that you've been yeah. having. <laughs> I 
I don't know. I, I look at this. If I, it, you know, I wouldn't buy it for 2200 or whatever they want or whatever it's actually worth is way outside of my price range, obviously. But if I thought, saw this in a store, I'd pick it up and I'd, I'd noodle some base stuff. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I think that's really pretty. And then I'd take a lot of pictures and I'd be like, God, can I do this on a different guitar? You know? <laughs> if this was a six-string guitar and not a bass with that finish, if this was like a, a 335 or something like that, oh, man, I would be rock hard right now. <laughs> I'd be like, oh man, yeah, I, I might be able to sell enough stuff to get the money together to get that, but because it's a it's a long boy with not enough strings, yeah, it's it's not making me run to the bank. I'll say that. Do you think? Do you think they uh, did this in gold sparkle finish to make a super bright colored guitar to make up for that super dark mud bucker? Yeah, that balances it out. You know, I like to you know brighten up dark signals. I think it's a fun thing to do, and that's what they did here. They took a dark guitar and made it brighter <laughs> sometimes you want that deep deep dark bassy sound you don't always want that slappy p bass sound right i mean that's what the tone knob is for that's true <laughs> i guess you can't turn this thing brighter yeah you're you're kind of stuck if you have a i don't want to say you can take like any bass that's bright and roll the sure roll the tone off but um you know, it's definitely like again with this guy right over here, the Eastwood, um, woody sound. Uh huh. Uh, but if I really want to try to like get into that upright bass space, I can just roll off, go go to the neck pickup, roll off the roll off the tone, and it just gets real woolly and and very organic. <laughs> It's it's never been touched by genetically modified organisms. <laughs> do you have a fan on over there or something? Oh, I do. Oh, turn that thing off, man. Or I usually turn it off. I, I hear it jumping through the noise gate every now and then. I'm like, oh, that's going to be a pain to edit. Yeah, right. sorry about that. <laughs> usually usually in the pre-show, you're like, you got that fan on? Yeah, we had a little bit of a short pre-introduction. So $2,200, do you think that's a good deal? That's where I, you know, I don't know anything about these instruments to begin with, so I don't know what a fair price is. Um, it kind of is looking like it might be. I mean, it's 1960. Um, some of the later versions of this, so like the 19, six, late, later 60s ones, which don't actually have the, uh, the banjo tuners, that was something that was only on the earliest models. Mm. Some people are trying to sell these for as much as like forty five hundred. Um, so like Norman's Rare Guitars up in LA has a nineteen sixty seven EB two for forty five hundred. Um, but there are some of these earlier ones. The lowest ones I'm seeing are are down around the same price twenty two hundred. Mm. They're not in Gold Sparkle, so I mean, you know, if Gold Sparkle's your thing, and it is, but you know, I think that might be a detractor for people who. Uh, have a hard on for vintage Gibson. They're gonna look at this and be like a refin. This ain't no Fender. I want the original finish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't throw that refin trash in front of me. I want to see that dark cherry with temperature cracks all the way through it. Right. You right. One. Well, the other thing is, uh, is it does say right away like, oh, it, oh, it does. It's a reissue pickup. Okay. So, so it's, it's not the original yeah. pickup. And it's already saying like it's routed to fit that, and um, there's some sort of issue with the string sp spacing ac across the neck. Yeah, uh, that so, they mentioned. So there maybe, are issues. 
you'd have. It's almost like if it was local and you could play it first, you yeah. could Decide. maybe figure it out. But in the grand scheme of things, though, the shell of the 1960 Gibson base. If you were going to hire someone to make you a new one custom to these specs, it'd cost you way more than twenty two hundred bucks. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And even if you get this and then pay a tech a grand to make it work the way you want and put the parts that you want in it, you're still spending less than getting a custom guitar. Yeah. And it's a 60s Gibson. So I don't know. I kind of feel like it might be kind of a hot price. I don't know. That's my take on it. I don't I don't feel like $2,200 is that think, crazy. I just think I'd have to know... Maybe, you know, maybe if there were some more pictures where you could really see that that uh, treble side lean. I guess it, I mean it says it plays well. It almost makes it sound like that treble side lean is just a, a quirk. Yeah, and, you know, it really is only going to affect your. Um, well, you might be able to adjust that just by cutting a, a new slot in the saddles. You know, in the, in the, right. in the bridge saddle, just well, having it's a, having a tech all- cut more more slots or replacing the bridge or something. It's also only going to affect your uh, G string, and you don't need that one anyway. No, it's a bass. You only need the top two. Yeah, this str- <laughs> this bass already has two more strings than it really needs. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Some yeah. might say it already has three more strings than it really needs. All right, we got another Gibson guitar here, another vintage. Oh one. yeah, uh, this was sent to us by uh, Kyle Smith, of course. Some sort of parlorish. Sort of thing. Looks very old. Eighteen hundred dollars. Nineteen thirty-eight Gibson three-fourths guitar F hole. Another description. Really. Oops. Too far. Um, in the thread about this, uh, Mike Adams and others were tracking down info and figuring out that it probably is a Gibson from that era. Really. But it's just been mangled quite a bit. Yeah. How much do they want? Uh, eighteen hundred. I think. Yeah. So I forget the model number, but uh, it does look like one of those, uh, you know, 40s Gibsons, one of the parlor jazz things. And in the pictures they were pulling up, I should have shown screen grabs of those pictures, uh, showed a model that did have uh, a pickup, one mm-hmm. of those like little thumb chromy submarine style ones with like the metal bar going down around the bridge to support it. Oh, interesting. But it was not the pickup that is pictured here in this ad. Clearly, because that is some sort of right. like mangled aftermarket thing that's going on there. Yeah. There, and and that's where, so I don't know enough about vintage Gibson. If you would have just sent this to me and said, what do you think this is? I would just been like, I don't know what it is, but I don't, I, is this really a Gibson? Like. Yeah, well, when I looked at the pictures they were showing of of the guitar that it, it's actually supposed to be. Man, I should have really grabbed that. And it was like, yeah, it looks like the exact same shape, exact same dimensions of the F-holes, exact same placement and hardware uh, of various things. It's just, it's been stripped down. It's missing its logo. Someone mm-hmm. put a piece of, like, cardboard or leather with a Gibson stamp in yeah. it. Where the logo Classy, should be. Classy, guys. It's not a terrible look, honestly. It fits the rest of the guitar. <laughs> but man, eighteen hundred bucks—I think is a tough sell on this. 
without no, without you know someone coming along to whisper in my ear, oh you know if you you know if you had this restored it would be worth two hundred thousand dollars, which it won't be. Right, know? right. I I just I don't know what to I don't know what to make of this. I don't know what this is. It's an <laughs> arch top parlor. Uh, there's nothing in me. I mean, I guess it has a truss rod, so that means it's not a silver tone harmony, right? Right. All of those a K, like because all of those had um, had a no truss rod, just steel reinforced neck. Right. I'm trying to um, find this ad. But yeah, there's nothing about this that where that I can look at and go like, oh yeah, that's uh, that's this thing. That's this model. Well, and what me, year is it supposed to be? Like 1938? Yeah, 38. Give me give me a minute. I'm going to find this thing. I'm, I should have included it in everything. There's no uh, there's no inlays that look fancy like I would expect. I can't find it. Um, you know, there's just nothing about it. Is it a Gibson L30? It, that might be it. Let me look that up. Gibson L30. I'm just throwing that L30 one out there. Arch top. That looks right. Yeah, I think it's the Gibson L30. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's what we're looking at here. I mean, it's it's pretty wiped out. Yeah, but it looks like, except for the pickup and the obvious uh, finish removal mm-hmm. that it's gone through, it looks like it's an otherwise stock shape. It looks like the same uh, bridge and tailpiece. It looks like original tuners. The nut yeah. might even be original. Uh, I don't, it might be worth cleaning up. I just, you know, what do you think the value is of something like this? I have a hard <laughs> time saying what they're asking for, 1800 Yeah, I don't but think so. I guess it's a thing where if you... I mean, someone at some point in the, this in its life like sanded all of the finish off of it, or they loved it off. You know, they played so hard and so often that not a single piece of finish remained. Yes, on, yes. On reverb, That's... I'm seeing a, a cherry condition one. Well, not you know, much more cherry than this <laughs> with the original pickup for thirty nine or uh, for twenty nine fifty. For twenty nine fifty, that thing is yeah. handsome. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> You show me this thing and you show me the other one and I'm going to save up the extra extra grand to get this nice looking one. Exactly. Oh, exactly. And you know what? You know, it had a painted on logo. That's why it disappeared with the uh, paint removal. It had like yeah. this black kind of bumpy lacquer with a, uh, a white logo painted on it. They have this two is others, probably uh, worth 1800 to somebody. I, um, I think you've got to be... You know, someone who has the desire to restore it. Uh, You might look at it and be like, oh, you know, it might be the type of person who looks at it and goes like, oh, it's actually better now because that paint really kills the resonance or something like that. I think (laughs) I think to get the non the non uh, collector into this, someone who just wants something vintage and kind of cool. Uh huh. Um. 
you got to push this way down. You got to be like under a thousand dollars. Oh yeah. I think, I think for me, if I was going to like an old school, like guitar show, like guitars of the West or whatever, used to roll through town. And I saw yeah. this sitting out on a table. I'd tell, you know, the guy at the table, Hey man, if this doesn't sell by the end of the, of the day, I'll, I'll give you seven fifty for it. <laughs> right. Exactly. You know, uh, Grant from Big Ear just said, I just got here, so you might, might have mentioned it, but that pickup is supposed to be the other direction, like they removed the B-pole piece because they were always so loud. I was looking oh. at that and was wondering what was going on with that. It's missing the, the second pole piece there, and it's supposed to be flipped over the other way, apparently. Gotcha. I did not know that. Kind of a wild modification, a uh, very barnstormy type take on guitar design <laughs> from the yes. early days like oh that b string's kind of loud ah just take out the part of the pickup that gets close to it and it'll well be i mean fine. it's designed that way right right, right. Like, it's not like it's missing it's just it was never there to begin with well at some point I, at some point it was there and they decided it was too much there's no way they just des- they designed a pickup by going like oh let's put one pull in here mm, let's try no, one more let's try I'm one more Remove that one. You know, they, they had six poles in a pickup design and they're like, that sucks. Take out one. You know? Right. But I'm saying like it was manufactured that way. It's not like somebody right. t- took, it's not like somebody took a strap pickup and was like, you know, what would make this strap pickup better is if it didn't have a B pole and just ripped it out. Like, yeah. This is built that way. That might honestly make a strap better. <laughs> That's my favorite string. <laughs> the B string. Steve yeah. loves the B. Give him the B. Um, I feel like this guitar, what is really missing from value on this is like maybe a couple Rat Fink stink stickers. Like replace that Gibson logo with a Tiki <laughs> logo. Give it a little bit of pinstriping. Yeah. A big just go, just go all in on this kind of like uh, dirty blues rockabilly thing. Yeah. And then now maybe it's worth $1,800. You know, it might be a very, very fun guitar to play. It might be very, very fun. That's something we haven't considered. It it might be, but it probably isn't. Yeah, <laughs> Kyle. No, I, I, you know I have the I have a the Harmony Archtop and Arch Archtop acoustics are just a whole different thing to begin with, and and so they can be a lot of fun. I also am just realizing that the line across the headstock is like so when they put the Gibson the leather Gibson sticker is that even leather it looks like washi tape it might i think it might just be a piece of like fiberboard or cardboard or something like that you know i just uh kyle smith says the Diarman pickup is worth more money than the gibson in that condition <laughs> <laughs> you know it, i i stand by what i said if this was on a table at a guitar show i'd offer 750 and i'd probably walk out with it at the end of the day, because no one else had bid on it, you know. That's my instinct, anyways. And you know, I could probably turn it into a really fun player, an around the house guitar, something that looks cool in music videos, <laughs> sort of thing. A replacement for you know the hundred and fifty dollar Groat that I have. Replace it with a seven hundred fifty dollar Gibson that's yeah. older than most people that I know. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that would be, yeah, seven hundred. Yeah. I would. Here's the question. No matter how it happens, by money okay. or luck, you end up in possession of this thing. Mm-hmm. Do you leave the Gibson cardboard, maybe leather sticker tag? I think I I get rid of it. I think I might leave it. It's so bad that it circles back around to 
kind of cute. I'm going to get rid of it and I'm going to put um, uh, whatever version, whatever the worst Gibson logo is. That's the one I put. <laughs> Here's what I would do if I, if, I got, if I had this thing, if I came into possession of it. Uh, I would salvage that little piece off of there. I do like a salvage job on this. I'd salvage the little cardboard piece off the headstock. Mm-hmm. Um, I would clean up whatever's going on with the pickup there. I think someone routed it for a humbucker or a P90 or something. Like underneath. and uh, Underneath it, and then they covered it up with this DRMIND or whatever's going on there. Uh, mm-hmm. I would clean up whatever's going on there with whatever cool thing I think it needed. Um, give it flip this pickup around or give it a proper pickup. I don't know. Maybe this is a really, really cool pickup. It could be. Uh, I would hit this thing with the slightest, thinnest coat of nitro clear just because I think that dirty grain is going to pop out in a really spooky way and give it a little bit of protection. Mm -hmm. Then I would make, I would have a screen made of the original Gibson logo and like screen print it back on the headstock. And yeah. I would stick that little leather thing, like, inside of the guitar through an F-hole or something like that. I want to preserve it somewhere. Maybe I would Maybe I would preserve it on the truss cover or something. I don't know. I'd want to do something with it because it, I, I think there's something funky about it. I think it could look it. cool horizontal, like, perpendicular with the neck. Yeah. Like, um, high, like by, the, by the 15th fret. Or maybe I'd I'd uh, you know I'd lacquer it to the back of the headstock for my own little special treat. You know? There you go. Yeah, there you yeah. go. So no one else has to look at it. No Steve. one else gets to look at it, Steve. Oh, that's that what it is? Yeah, is that what it is. So what's new, man? How are you doing? Um, dude, it was really hot today, and it's I didn't humid. realize it because I did not leave the office between the. I, I got to work at like. I got to work late and then I left when I left and I did not leave the building in between. So I never knew how hot it was until I got home. Mm. Yeah. You were lucky. Uh, I was in the humidity all day trying to work. (laughs) I I shot a full demo. I've been working on a demo for the new Catalan bread pedal, the Gigas. Do you know what that is? The the Gigas, the Gigas. Like what the pedal is, or what? No, what that ne- that the word means, or what the uh, the thing. I is. don't. I don't know what it is. I'm assuming it's some kind of ancient monster. It's actually from a video game. Oh, I looked it up and I was like, oh, this is from some Nintendo game that I don't know anything Weird. about. It's one of the baddies. It's like the the main bad guy or something like that. Uh, but anyways, this is a massive sounding fuzz. I'm. Ho- I filmed the whole thing today. I edited it, and it was just like. This this video does not do the product justice. I have to completely reshoot this. So I'm going to reshoot it tomorrow. Mm. Um, I want to make sure I show this thing off uh, the way it needs to be shown because it's it's actually a really fun. Fuzz. Show me show me that art again. The the art is their own art. It, I, no, no, I know. When I looked I up the thing, it didn't show anything that looked anything like this. It looked yeah. like a bunch of red pixels. <laughs> it's kind of interesting that they got up to. Uh, they got to that uh, graphic. Maybe there's like a, I don't know if there's any like a comic book or something maybe that's related. Someone that I hate named Mayonnaise. Uh, <laughs> I don't hate them. I just hate Mayonnaise. It says it's from Earthbound. The video yeah, yeah. Earthbound. 
So, I don't know if it sounds the way that game plays, but it's a really fun pedal. It, this is, would actually be a good one for you, Steve. It's got a blend knob on it. It handles low-end stuff really fine. Ooh. I, I'm going to do a bunch of baritone noodling with it. I actually tuned down to drop A with my baritone. <laughs> yeah, Earthbound is, uh, Earthbound is like a classic Nintendo... Huh. R- RPG, I guess. I don't know anything about it. Uh, yeah, don't tell me anything. It. I don't want to know, Steve. I don't want to know. Don't fill me in. All right. So what's new with you other than it's hot? Um, I uh, I can't get this pen to write. Um, what the heck? Um, I got into a conversation with two of my coworkers today about this show. Oh. And it was like a person who knew I had a podcast but never asked about it. And then one of our newer employees, and they're asking all about it. And they're like talking about whatever. And, they're, and they were like, uh, if you were to start the uh, – if I – you know, basically the question is like, oh, where where should I start if I wanted to listen to it? And I was like, well, do you play guitar? And they're like, no. I'm like, okay, so this is just going to be nonsense to you. But if you want to get a feel, like just start – with the most recent one, you know? Yeah. And then I was like, no, what you should do, because they're my coworkers. Star like, Trek you episodes. Should, you should go find, yeah, you should go find uh, the episode where uh, Edith is born. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> where, because that's the funniest episode, yeah. for sure. Yeah, that was uh, almost two years ago now. Um, and the problem is I tried to Google that like 60 cycle home baby 60 cycle home pregnant and i nothing could come nothing came up so uh we couldn't find anything but yeah i need to uh, figure out what i'll have to tag that somehow one of my one of my coworkers was like all right i'm subscribed i'm just gonna download and delete i'm like that's fine man i'll take that <laughs> like, that's basically what i do with a bunch of podcasts right now is i just <laughs> download it and i go do i have time for this this week nope. no I just you know my what's stuff new? You know old... what's new? You know what's new? Tell me what's new, Steve. You were on uh, Flippin' Flippers. I was on Flippin' Flippers. I recorded that uh, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, something like that. It was fun to go over to Co's house. Um, man, I wish I'd known you were going to bring that up. I would have prepared a slide or two. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't talked about on the show. Uh, everyone could listen to it, by the way. We, we talk about berries a lot. <laughs> <laughs> raspberries, yeah, yeah. blackberries, uh, and, and some other nonsense, ghosts and whatnot, of course. I'm de- I'm definitely team blackberries. Asshole. How dare you? <laughs> I just, raspberries, I, I, raspberries always taste a little chalky to me. They're soft and they're velvety and they're sweet and citrusy. A blackberry has a hard twig in the middle. And- I don't really, see, I don't remember that part. Like you guys brought that up and I don't. Get yourself a fresh blackberry. Try to bite it in half. See how much fun you're having. It's not fun. A raspberry is like nature's marshmallow. It just dissolves in your mouth. But I think that's part of the problem for me is it's just like of all the berries, it's the one I'm least like interested in. Raspberries are the king of berries. I need a little bit of a texture like. So anyway. Everything you're describing that like velvety softness. I'm like, yeah, like that's why it tastes like chalk. It's not chalky though. It's I mean it's sweet, but like I don't maybe I just haven't had really good raspberries. I don't I already had this conversation with Co. Go listen to the Flippin' Flippers episode <laughs> with me. Uh don't do it right now. Finish listening to this first. 
so the other thing that was over there that we didn't talk about on the show, he was going through his cases of guitars like, oh, have you seen this? Have you seen this? And mm-hmm. I see a case that's got a strip of tape down the side that says Phantom 6 in Roman numerals. And I'm like, is that a Phantom? And he's like, oh. yes, this is a Phantom. He cracks it open. He's holding it for a friend that bought it from a Foo Fighters auction. It's not Dave Grohl's guitar, but it's the other guitarists in Foo Fighters. He didn't say how much he paid, but I got the feeling he paid a lot for it, more than it was probably worth. Um, But I've never actually gotten a chance to play a real Vox Phantom. It was kind of broken. The bridge was messed up on it, but it was like kind of hanging in there enough for me to play it. I, I still fell in love with it. Do you want to know how much it was? How much it's? Did you look it up? I don't. I I know what it was. Like. I saw see what it was listed for. I, I guess I I don't know. Let on reverb, after something sells, is that the actual price or no, is that the listed price? That's the listed price. Uh, so it was, it was I'm gonna guess. For, let me guess. Let me guess. Let me guess. Yeah, yeah. I bet it was listed for five, and it went for eight. Like five thousand, and you think it went for eight thousand? Yeah. Um, it was listed for twenty eight hundred. That's actually normal. There were nine offers made, so so he might I always assume price offers are going to be lower. But those phantoms don't come cheap, and it's hard to find them in in working condition and in full condition. It had the it had the trim bar and everything. If he paid under twenty eight, then he got a good deal, I think. Especially considering it came from a Foo Fighter and it came with a certificate and everything like that. So hopefully, maybe the maybe the offers went the other way though. We're, we're assuming the offers went down because that's the way Reverb works for us non-celebrities. Right. You I'm can also looking, offer I'm, more. I'm looking at these and I'll, I'll, not all of them. Uh, there's kind of like a bottom, I guess, a bottom of the list. Uh-huh. But a lot of the stuff that were a lot of the things that were being sold, the prices aren't crazy at all unreasonable. So like uh, they in the store was a Fender Mike Dirt Road Worn uh, P base, yeah, and it was uh, listed for eleven hundred, which is actually thirty dollars cheaper than a brand new one would be. Yeah, That's um, not bad. now some of the things are a little pricier. There's a, a Mexican seventy two Telecaster. Um, and that one is also listed for, uh, or was listed for twelve hundred, and that one's a bit more expensive. But even that, like those are eight eight hundred dollars new. Yeah, here's so what I want to do. It's not off the rails. Here's what I want to do. I, I want okay. I, now that I'm now that I know that it probably didn't sell for crazy money and may, might have sold within range of its actual value. Mm-hmm. Uh, I need to speak to Co. And I need to say, hey, if your friend ever wants to sell it, let me know first. Mm. And I liked it enough that that might be something that I sell a bunch of stuff to fund getting whatever I could offer on it. Right. Um, the bridge was busted on it. Man, I wish I had pictures to show. Uh, the bridge was busted, but the trim on it was in full working condition. It was in glorious condition. Very smooth. Felt very uh, sturdy as a trim. I really liked the sound of the pickups. I, I liked the way it played. It probably could have done with a, with a refret because it's got those super flat, worn out sort of frets. Um, but that's the kind how, of vintage guitar I wouldn't mind investing in for my future sort of thing. How's the bridge busted? 
Um, how do I explain this? Because I'm looking at a picture of it. Um, the the where the posts connect mm-hmm. to the plate of the bridge. There's mm-hmm. a thimble that goes over the posts, and the base of that thimble, the metal has cracked away, and so it's a it's a full structural failure on the bridge. I know it's, there's got to be a replacement out there somewhere or something creative that can be done. I was honestly looking at it and, like, I would shim up the bridge into position and then just leave it and just not worry about ever adjusting it, you know. Um, it wouldn't be hard to shove a couple well-cut pieces of wood underneath a bridge to sit, to salvage the issue. But I thought it was a very fun guitar, and it's the sort of thing I would want to have in my collection if I was going to start collecting vintage stuff, for sure. Yeah, I guess I'm looking at I'm looking at pictures of other ones, um, but maybe there's just not enough detail in this picture to tell exactly what's what's busted about it. Mm-hmm. The screws look like they're not the original screws, though. Which screws? The bridge screws. Uh, no, I think it's like just, the post screws. It's it's all just busted up, so it could be that could be what you're saying is is you know, busted bridge. It looks like the metal just failed on it, you know. Maybe this isn't the one that sold then, but this is what it's color? a black Yeah, it was black nineteen sixties Chris Shiflet. That was probably it. I wish I could see it. I'm trying to find the photos on my phone that I know I took. I mean I guess I could share my screen. Yeah, share your screen, Steve. Do the responsible thing. Is that it? That looks like it. So I, see, I guess I you can't see this, from this angle at the bridge. You okay, know? that's that's what I feared. Okay, I'm going to stop sharing now. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's. I just wanted you to get to see if I was missing something or if we just couldn't see it. Yeah, we've talked so much about this stupid guitar. Yeah, you want to talk about the sponsor? This, this show's never going to end. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this week's sponsor is Chase Bliss Audio. They make pedals more creative than you are with a digital brain and an analog heart. These are pedals that will never sound like fart. Unless you really want them to, but they can also sound like chorus most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> this one that or I'm holding sounds like a wah, even though it's a preamp pedal. You can or do, a tremolo. Or it could be a tremolo if you program it with a MIDI. Or uh, it can be a fuzz or an overdrive or a distortion or a clean boost, an EQ, or it could be a completely different kind of fuzz or that wall that I was talking about. I'm talking about the Chase Bliss Preamp Mark II Automatone Series. It's their newest, hottest thing, and mm, is it delicious? It is beautiful. Yeah. So uh, thanks to Chase Bliss. Go check them out at chaseblissaudio.com. Are we ready for this first topic? Yeah, yeah. Let's, uh, let's hit this thing right out of the park. Let's solve this issue that everyone really cares about and has been fighting about and has rallied We're going to solve the music industry right now. This topic was sent by Emily Harris from the Get Offset podcast, and she says, talk about Spotify telling artists they need to release more music. I'm going to tell artists to release less music. Just, guys, no more, like, crap songs. Just only the good stuff. You can throw throw stuff away, you know. Back in the day, they were recording stuff to tape. That stuff is expensive. Now you're recording it to just SD cards and hard drives. That's not expensive. Throw stuff away. You're not wasting material. <laughs> Let's just hear those good songs, please. Uh, yeah, so what's your hot take on this now that I've ran I, 
I obviously I think so. This is Daniel Lack's statement is he's saying uh, that there is a narrative fallacy that's been created, created and caused music fans to believe that Spotify doesn't pay musicians enough for streams of their music. Which I actually think that's true. I don't think that's a narrative yeah. fallacy. No, they, they um, should be paying more, and they should be charging their advertisers more to compensate for that. Yeah, if there if there is a narrative fallacy, it's because they're not they're not talking about the fact that I guess um, in the past maybe people just stole that music. Um, I but I, I don't know. Like I I don't. I'm saying this as somebody who doesn't use Spotify. I've uh, tried it. I go back and forth between Spotify and Pandora, but I usually go to Pandora. So then he says, uh, some artists that used to do well in the past may not do well in this future landscape where you can't record music once every three to four years and think that's going to be enough. Uh, The artists today that are making it realize that it's about creating a continuous engagement with their fans. It it is about putting the work in, about storytelling around the album, about keeping a continuous dialogue with your fans. So... There's things about that. So I, I, I look at this in, in a, a couple different ways. One is that if he's speaking contextually only as saying like Spotify, Spotify is the future. And if you want to make money off of us, you better put out more music. Yeah, I think then, that interpretation I, of that, does, it makes you angry and it's, you know, it's infuriating. I listen to that. I'm like, I don't disagree with the main part of his point. And I don't think he's he's I don't. He better not be saying artists that are making it on Spotify because I don't think there's anyone making bank on Spotify. Like no one is. Like you hear reports all the time. Like you know, some like Britney Spears gets like thirty thousand billion streams and she got a check for two grand or whatever. You know, right? Uh, you hear those stories all the time. I, unless I'm wrong, I don't think anyone is making a living with their music on Spotify. So I don't think that's what he's talking about. I think he's just talking about the industry in general. Yeah, I and if he's talking about the industry in general, I, I think that is problematic. Um, I think it is a little, you know, obviously it's in his own benefit for people to release more music because more than more he's going to get more streams. Um, I don't think that's true either. More music on Spotify doesn't mean more streams. More users on Spotify means more streams. And so if if every band. Repli- like like produced 12 more songs tomorrow and put them all on Spotify tomorrow you wouldn't mm-hmm. see an increase in plays you're getting the same amount of plays per day because users are using and uh and Tron fights for the users <laughs> right right <laughs> um <laughs> that's what we need we we need Tron and Spotify oh my gosh <laughs> I, oh, I think you know. I, I think the other side of that is is the original statement. You know, you you can't make music every three to four years and think that's going to be enough. I think that's. I I kind of agree with that. That I don't. I think that is a factual statement. Whether or not yes. it's a good thing or a bad thing, I think that's probably a bad thing. I think it's most likely a bad thing in this in this time that we live in. No one should be making albums. You should be making. Two to three songs as a set at most, in my opinion. And you, you release them as singles. You pick the one that you're going to make a video for or some sort of, you know, social media campaign or something like that. And then you try again. 
in a couple months. You put out another three songs, you know? Like, if, right. if I was going to so be, I, a, if I was going to try to be a musician making it today, that's like how I would start. Sorry, apparently my house is burning down. Uh oh. <laughs> um, this is going to be real awkward when flames start coming up behind you and yeah, smoke and stuff. Um, Give me a second, and then uh, actually let let's let's finish this topic. And then we'll we'll have to pause for a minute. Okay. Um, but uh, <laughs> um, so anyway, um, yeah, I I think the problem is 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 I I understand what you're saying, but I I also appreciate that like some artists, you know, put together twelve songs that tell a story. And it's going to take them three or four years, you know? And so, well, you know I what? Think, I you... think the question is, is, is that I think the real question is whether or not the Spotify, uh, landscape is a landscape that people want to make money in maybe, or, or should. And, and the bigger problem is that, you know, Spotify is, is such a juggernaut of a company at this point, or at least people perceive it that way. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, you know, when they say something and, and it's actually, it's interesting too, because this is coming out on the heels where I think I, there's been memes going around talking about how, um, different streaming services pay artists. Right. Right. And that, uh, now I don't, again, I, I, I don't, the music service I'm subscribed to is YouTube. Um, yeah, because yeah. I don't want to, I watch a lot of YouTube and I don't want commercials. YouTube and so, pays better than the majority of stuff. Right. Um, because so it's I video don't, and the, I, the ads are worth more for video, you know? Apparently the one that pays the most is, um, is Tidal. Yeah. One, and, the one that no one uses. Which is, yeah, which is the one that no one uses, but it's also, uh, the one that, um, that is actually owned by musicians like title was started by by jay-z so it's it's uh right th that's like their deal I, I i don't remember if it was just him or who all who all was in on it how it was put together but like he was you know um the main at least the face of it right sure like, sure um and so that's some people you know that's kind of the idea like oh that's why it is um you know, people want to say like that's why it pays the most is because, you know, Jay Z wants to make sure that other artists have like maybe not the same opportunities he had, but at least a, a fair shake for uh, in the current market. So I don't know. I I I kind of go back and forth. I I, I listen to radio still. You know, I still listen to terrestrial radio. Um. So yeah, that's it. I don't know. <laughs> Spotify, use it. Don't use it. 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 I get why it sucks for some musicians, but well, I get why I, people are are angry about this. I think the message is the messenger. <laughs> people don't want to hear from Spotify why they're not making it as musicians when Spotify pays them nothing for you know free content basically that fuels their platform. 
Uh, and I think that's the bigger issue there. It's not the message of, oh, this is how artists should shift their work. It's like they don't want to hear it from this dude that right. everyone feels has been fleecing them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the the real issue there, the undercurrent, is that something needs to happen to force these streaming services to pay a much more normal rate for licensing plays. And then they pass that on the, to the advertisers. That's the mechanic that needs to happen. And in the end, the advertisers are going to lose more money than anyone else did. And the musicians are going to make more money Yeah, because it, the, the problem is that at the core, I'm, I'll wrap this up. We'll put a bow on it and then we'll move on. Uh, the core of it is that there's different legal um, rates that you have to pay yeah. for radio play versus digital plays because the whatever the legislation was written in like 92 or something like that, like digital mm-hmm. plays are worthless and they don't have, yeah. they, there's no guarantee for, you know, what that should pay out because they got in there early and negotiated this ridiculous situation. If that changed, if suddenly Spotify had to pay, pay radio rates mm-hmm. or even a 10th of radio rates, <laughs> You know, uh, it would make being a musician profitable for countless amounts of people, just countless. If you could get actual, if you could get actual payment for your streams from these streaming hosting services, you know, that's the reality it has, you know, and then once people can make a living, guess what's going to happen? People are going to be working their asses off to make good music because then it's going to be a competitive marketplace. You have a you have a marketplace where it's not profitable for most people to make music. The people who would have been making great music just can't do it, and they, and they can't compete. So that's, I'm going to go deal with my issue. All right, go put out the fire, Steve. Have fun, have fun with the chat. How long do you think you'd be? Oh, I don't know, five minutes. Five minutes. All right, guys. If anyone wants to try to jump in really quick, I'm going to put a clap here, so I know to edit right there. Steve is back. Let's check in on him. Is your house okay, Steve? Yeah. All right. We will resume the podcast then. Oops. Sorry, Sassy. Uh, we'll see you guys in the in the after hangout. I'm going to clap back in. All right. Steve is back. His I house never stopped recording. So is still standing. Well, I'll still need to edit. So yeah, thank I you know. for not thank you for not stopping recording. That helps me actually. Um. <laughs> All right, this next sound was sent in by uh, Lee Siebert. Siebert? What was happening, by the way? Uh, so I think, so we have this lamp, and it's got a shade that is screwed in um, above the light bulb, and I have a feeling what happened is it got unscrewed and broke the bulb. Oh. But it didn't break it, like, entirely, so um, it, like, cracked the bulb. And so Melissa had it on, and when she went to, like, try to figure out, like, why isn't the light coming on, uh, she, like, touched the bulb, and I think it, like, shocked her. Uh. And then and then the bulb fell off. So the whole thing just, like, collapsed. Gotcha. Uh, so I just, basically, all I did was replace the light bulb. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, where were we? But, I mean, we? that's really scary if, like, you can't get the light to turn on, and you touch it, and your lamp shocks you. Yeah, yeah. It's totally scary. For sure. All right. Next ad. Yeah. Yeah. This was sent in by uh, Lee Seibert. Seibert. Uh, it says, here's a combo of nice working PV band at 112 trans 80 watt amps with extension caps. Has Sheffield 
8 ohm, 12 foot speaker in them. Nice tone. Uh, killer overdrive. Everything works as they should. USA made. Red stripe. Collector's amps. Not really. Don't need them anymore. <laughs> yeah, neither do we. Foot switch included. We'll sell as a pair or all four. 600 for all four or $300 a pair. Near perfect. Yeah. Now, it's the things that, that's wild to me. Mm-hmm. Is it not that just that someone was like, oh, you know what? Yeah, I need a Bandit 112. And that's normal. I had okay. a Bandit 112. The, the crazy thing is when like, oh, you know what? I need the extension cab, so I'll have a 2x12. Tw- no, no, that's not the, that's not the crazy What's part. What's crazier than that is going, I need two PV Bandit 1x12 stacks. Yeah, yeah. The extension cab under each combo amp. And doing stacks of combo, doing the extension cab with a combo amp is kind of sad, too. <laughs> uh, also. I think there's some amps where, like, you can kind of pull it off. This is yeah. not one of them. Th- yeah, this is wild. This is a wild look for someone to purposely choose in their life. And then apparently keep them ungigged because they look brand spanking new, clean. Yeah. They look like they just came out of the box. Um, also, I got to say, this, in my opinion, this is not the ideal Bandit 112. There's a better Bandit 112. Which one is that? It's the one that I had. Same guts, technically. Same circuit, same speaker. Mm-hmm, Sheff- mm-hmm. Sheffield, whatever it is. Uh, but the problem is, on this new version, yeah, it's got the ugly red stripe. It doesn't look as cool as the silver side stripe version that I had. Uh, the switch that goes between clean and overdrive and then like ultra and crazy over, overdrive settings or vintage overdrive settings, those switches are just up and down. The version I had had push buttons, a, bu- oh. a button for each option, and you could click them both in and get middle settings. So there was, Interesting. There was technically two overdrive settings on it like classic mm-hmm. and modern but i could click them both in and there was a secret third setting oh. with, with both of them blended together um same thing i think for like the bright channel or something like that um there were you know, like little quirks like that otherwise it's the same amp but if i was to get another bandit i would want that version versus this version yeah but it's just bonkers for someone to own <laughs> this like yeah. who's like yes this is the amp I will hang my hat on for the next 30 years. I have committed to the double PV Bandit stack. I would almost it's, respect it's it. I would and res- also, this was like the least po- least popular of all of the Bandits, right. I feel like. I would respect this more if it didn't have the extension cabs and was just four PV Bandits. <laughs> That's 400 watts. I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> 400 watts of bandit <laughs> they're actually great sounding amps for the money not for this money um 300 f- for for the uh the amp and the extension isn't insane like if you really want to band it like that's accessible money but i'd i'd want to be played closer to 200 just because you're actually paying for just the amp and then you're getting a cab right. with it that okay here's here's two two things two things one, these are not collector's amps. They are not in any way. And they will not two, be for another thousand years. Two, 
if these were collectors amps, they're missing the uh, PV logo that it came with. The the trans tube logo, the the little triangle that would have been on these. I also thought what? that this red stripe version had the newer logo on it. Did this person take it find vintage badges? I'm thinking I I think that may I'm thinking you are also right on that. I'm looking at pictures and I'm not seeing any red stripes. Oh my gosh, apparently there there was a PV bandit that had the old logo and no red triangle so this is extra rare oh man it is collectors what? oh, oh vintage man. gotta go get that right now oh man oh. get on that deal <laughs> dang dude no i'd still rather have the push button version it also had just that's the side corner hardware on this version is ugly and yeah the the previous version at least looked like you know practice ad normal corners you know and this the, is some sort of custom molded like weird ripply thing on the sides the one on the right uh looks like it has the feet on the top of the cab so, just so you could stack another one, <laughs> one on top of it <laughs> that's exactly what that's for because they know what you're supposed to do with pv band you're supposed to stack them Stack them all. Stack them and stack them. One of my favorite things to do with my bandit was throw a seven band EQ in the loop. Mm. And I swore I could make it sound just like a Mesa by just boost. Just scooping the right mids, pushing the right highs, and then pushing all the lows. (laughs) 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 But I had a lot of fun with a bandit uh, as a teenager. Like that was a good amp for a teen in the 90s for sure. It was totally giggable too. Plenty loud enough. Loud 100 watts. All right. Uh, do we want to do the album? Yeah. Here it is. Do, 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 do. I'm going to drop it. There is the image. Oingo, boingo, only a lad. Have you ever listened to this, Steve? Um, I've heard two songs off of this album. The, <laughs> the two, maybe three. Yeah. This is, uh, but at this least is two. This is one that I'm intimately familiar with. It became... I, a thing for me I, for a couple of years. I have a feeling that I've actually probably listened to this entire album with you, like probably. maybe fifteen years ago. But you were in the back of my minivan, arguing with someone while it was playing. Probably, yeah, probably. <laughs> um, that's that sounds about right. Um, I don't, I don't know what to make of this album. I don't know what to make of. Uh, I mean. How familiar with Oingo Boingo were you besides Weird Science? Um, I'm only the radio stuff. So the two songs off of this that were big radio hits, uh, Only a Lad, um, uh, Little Girls was on the radio, I think. Mm-hmm. If it was on the radio, it was it was a single for something. No, it was on the radio. It was a, um, Weird Science, Dead Man's Party. Yeah, yeah. That's it. That's all of them. That's all the ones I know. Well, that's all you know. Wow. Those four songs, huh? Well, I, I mean, I've, I've probably heard other songs on like, and then like eighties movies or something. Oh, sure, right? sure, but, sure. Uh, and you, do you know who is in Oingo Boingo, right? You've got to uh, Danny Elfman. Yes, so you know yeah, yeah. You, you've heard you've heard Danny Elfman for your whole life in yeah all yeah. sorts of stuff, um, and you can hear a lot of you know what was to come in this album like a lot of stuff that happens it's like oh there's 
you know, Jack Skellington. Oh, there's, you know, that Budweiser commercial that they did. There's <laughs> right. The, no, but like the, you can hear like the 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 proto of what would become soundtracks and things floating around in this. Right. And so that's both what made this album Let's just get into it. Let's just get into it. Wait uh, on me, man. Did you like opening, it or not? Opening track. Uh, I don't think you could write that song now. You could definitely write it. I don't think you can get away I, with it. And I, I, it's, uh, I'm, it's, it's a rough. It's, it's a, it's hard because it's such a fun sounding song. It's such an earworm, and right. it's just like, yeah, it's just a blast. But then the lyrics are very creepy and not fun. I didn't, but then it's, I didn't, you know, is it any different? And the answer is no. Is it any different from? Uh, the flute guy, uh, Aqualung. Is it any different from the song Aqualung? I don't know what the song Aqualung. I don't. I, I don't. It's not like a, a dirty man in the park watching watching uh, the young girls. Oh, really? Yeah. Jeez. It's like it's explicit. Like it is a saying. Like, oh, here's a guy. He's watching all these young girls. Yeah. Um, so I guess the whole thing is he's basically just said that this song was. He would just sit around and like think of characters, and this was a character he thought up mm. was a guy who. Well, I mean, you listen to the rest of the album, and it's clearly not autobiographical, <laughs> right? And so that's the thing is, it's it's always. Um, also, I it's I just read nuts. A, I read it's a, just nuts. I read a thing from him because you know everyone's got to want to know, especially now in these modern ages. Uh, what what was that song all about? But it's it's been a thing for a while. Like people yeah. asking him, like, "Hey, what's the deal with this song?" Like, uh, I love little yeah. girls, little girls too little, too little, too little. And he's given answers ranging from, "Oh, I was trying to be over the top and controversial, or I was trying to you know get a reaction or whatever," to it like reactions saying that he had a, a dream about girls of wildly different sizes some as small mm -hmm. as like his hand or something yeah. like that well, the, the music video is um is him like in his house dancing around with like uh girls i've never seen people, the video and, uh and people with dwarfism oh wow and um and then i guess uh at some point he's walking down the street with a girl and it's the at least implied that the people are staring at him and this girl because she's underage but it's t it's um, definitely clear that's what the song is about like it's not like you'd have to be thinking really abstract for this to be an abstract concept is it no right. this is you know is, is it like i said is it any different from aqualung is it ever, any different from uh you know don't stand too close to me <laughs> you know uh is this a pedophile's anthem <laughs> right, and that's, and, and that's the thing. And it's like he, his whole thing was like, "Oh, I just think of weird stuff." Uh, some of the ideas for the album in general—that was nervous laughter, just, by the way. This is a terrible thing to laugh at. Yeah, uh, he said that he pulled like the ideas for some of the album, other songs on the album, just straight out of like he'd read a news article in the Los Angeles Times or whatever, uh. and be like, "I'm going to write a song about about this bored." I'm going to. I'm going to imagine a kid who's bored at home, and he's able to do it because. His parents are capitalists. I'm going to write a song called Capitalism. Right, it's right. It's going to be about this kid who's bored at home. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going to write a song about uh, a boy who he does all of these terrible things and everyone's like, boys will be boys. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. You know, and, and so it's, and his whole thing is like, oh, it's just like this idea, you know, like whatever, like just, I'm, I just have these ideas. Um, aside from that, like, I don't want to go too much into that. It's kind of weird. There, some of the, my problem is maybe like, it's crazy okay, that that was a hit. It's crazy that Little Girls was a hit yeah. and had a music video and is a song that you know blew them up, basically. Um, I <laughs> think that's my on, take that's on, on society. That's is... not just on a weird band on their first album. Like, like hey, let's, let's lead with this. That's society. Going right. like, oh, yeah, we like this. <laughs> uh, um, I think some of, like you said, there's moments in this where I'm like, yeah, like, Whoever is writing the music to the song, which of course is Danny Elfman, mm-hmm. um, is uh, is like clearly a like knows what they're doing. Like the music is really oh my goodness, is really interesting. There's a lot going on. That being said, uh, I feel like um, about halfway through, I was like, can I just take all of these tracks and spread them out over like an '80s? Like let's. After three, after like two or three tracks, like, can I listen to some Talking Heads? Can I throw in, uh, uh, you know, some? Uh, you just wanted to make a playlist, s- some New Order. Like, I need to break up like the wackiness oh, okay. of, of of this with some. Like, I can fit this in with other '80s artists and just call it an '80s playlist and be fine. But trying to listen to twelve straight tracks of this, oh man, uh, was a little. I was a little exhausting. I wanted it to not stop. And honestly, YouTube took me into more Oingo Boingo albums immediately after that. And I was like, man, I wish I could just sit and listen to this all day. <laughs> yeah, it did that for me too. And and But thankfully, I listened to this at the end of my workday. It was the last thing I did before I went home. So I had to go home. <laughs> I had to come home to make this podcast. Yes. Make the, um, to make the real money, right? Uh, yeah. But so, just, so in that, you know, in that, I don't know how the reception would have been as well back then. Uh, I kind of feel like this is, you know, is Oingo Boingo the Weezer of the 80s? Are they really just a novelty band? They weren't big enough to be the Weezer uh, of the 80s. No, I, 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 I get that. I just like, I'm li- when I was listening, I'm like, was this, and I guess that you can spread that out for like all of New Wave. Like, is this, is this real? Is this, is this uh is this a how much of this is a serious effort how much of this is a joke that Danny Elfman is uh okay is pushing on the rest of the world see here here's uh, a, I I took a big new wave dive probably right after or right around when I met you um mm-hmm. but like all through the 90s new wave was like uh why would anyone listen to that tacky stuff like oh that's like so that's like weird 80s stuff and it's like joke music right because in the right. 90s were so serious and cynical and, you know, sarcastic and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, we were all busy watching The Crow and listening to Alanis Morissette. You know, we couldn't be bothered mm-hmm. with neon checkers. Uh, so I had only heard, like, you know, Deadman's Party, Weird Science from mm-hmm. radio or whatever when I was a kid. And then I just bought this album on a whim from Luz Records, a used CD or whatever. And I was listening to it while I was in college age. And it just started like, I started hearing the layers of it and not just being like, ha ha ha, weird science, ha ha. But like hearing the, the layers of the instrumentation and everything that's going on. Um, and I, I just fell deeply in love with Oingo Boingo. 
and then moved on to exploring a lot of other new wave stuff and just really uh, learning to appreciate the era right. and the, uh, the I, genre. I do wonder, like, with that is um, particularly, I again, I don't know how this compares to other songs. Just thinking about the singles, I guess Weird Science is, I would fit, say, fits in with this. But, like, Dead Man's Party, um, I feel, is, is very... Um, like the vocals are very even keeled on mm. Dead Man's Party, I feel like compared to Weird Science or compared to like anything on this album, you know. And so I think that's that's part of that like exhaustion. Like the music was pretty interesting to me. Actually, I was su- surprised because I I just don't th- think about it. I guess um, how much guitar was on this album. And, oh yeah, and there are a number of guitar t- sounds where I was like, "Gosh, man, that's like that's like perfect overdrive." <laughs> that's like the perfect overdrive sound. Whoa, that's the best overdrive on the planet. <laughs> like, li- like literally, like my note on, um, I think, uh, uh, oh, I guess it was the third song, um, "Perfect System." I said this album already has more guitar than I expected. Uh, um, here's here's something that I wrote. Um, it's amazing how Oingo manages to balance manic dissonance. While maintaining a tightness and pop slash hook sensibility that sounds like the band couldn't miss, miss a beat if they tried. Right. Like, to me, it's like every, everything musical about it was insanely tight and just mm-hmm. on the groove mechanically. And it's all real. It's, you know, record is came out in 81. It's all recorded on tape with. You know, actual instruments like that. Standing elephant playing the marimba, the marimba. That's not a synth or right. something like that. The instrumentation is all real. It's not triggered or anything. Like a band played this, and it, it's just a trip to me. Like how musically good it is to to me, anyways, and how much like how poppy some of the songs can be, and how right. pop culture friendly they can be to the point where Danny Elfman can become one of the top <laughs> soundtrack composers. Right. <laughs> of the last um, 20 years or whatever. Um, it's just wild that like the songs are so crazy, but in like a poppy sort of way. Yeah. I, like I said, I think my, my thing again was just, um, I didn't have any issues with the music side. Sure. I, I kind I think the, the ups and downs and just the the vocals, I, I think, is probably what tired me out more than anything. It's a very theatric vocal. Sometimes he's like doing like this. That's that's angry, a, that's a good. Like he's like got this angry yell sort of thing. Uh, I don't know if you know anything about Wingo Boingo, but they I, they were a theater troupe. Yeah, troop, or it started. That's where the name came from. It was from, like a theater troupe. Yeah, the, the name was the Mystic Knights of Wingo Boingo. Yeah, and I've seen videos that like you know predate Boingo Boingo from the Mystic Knights, and it's mm-hmm. like they were this weird arty like let's dance, let's dress up like devils and dancing uh, around a, a fog machine and do like Pee Wee Herman style set work and stuff like right. that. And for it to, it's, there should be a documentary about it. I'd watch the crap out of it. The transit, <laughs> the transition from like some sort of art performance group into one of the damn tightest bands that I listen to and enjoy yeah. <laughs> is, is gotta be an incredible transition or maybe it's just boring. I don't know. So obviously I like it. You sounded yeah. like you got a little tired of it and it wasn't your thing. 
You don't like his voice. Now you know how I feel about... Well, you I guess. Extreme, well, it's but. not even that I don't like his voice. It's that, like, after four or five songs of it, I'm like, okay, I get it. Like, It's like a vaudeville guy just screaming, barking stuff at yeah. you. It's like, okay, uh, you have a really, a really wide vocal range, and you really want me to know about it. <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't. I I had a couple other notes. Um, did every band in the '80s cover "You Really Got Me"? I was think I was I forgot that track was on here. I had to look it up. This is, came out, you know, three years. No, that that yeah, it came out a couple of years after Van Halen's take on it. Yeah, whether it be two years or three years or whatever. Um, I think they were trying to chase after Devo with that one. Devo doing Satisfaction. Mm. And then Danny, there's some sort of combination of Danny Elfman going like, oh, Devo can do it. I can, I'm going to do, you know, tongue-in-cheek cover. Uh, right. And, and oh, Van Halen did it. I'm going to go and attack it with my own, like, kind of technical sort of thing. Because the places yeah. it goes and the things it does, I mean, I love the Devo version of Satisfaction, but that's not what this is. This is... A re-imagining of the song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's fair. I think the Devo Where, version of Satisfaction is a, a, it's a lot more listenable. The Devo version is a deconstruction of the song. You think it's more listenable? Man, I, I think the Oingo Boingo, uh, You Really Got Me, is, is a piece of art. I think because, I, I think, it, sure. And I love piece, Devo. It's a piece of art. I love Devo, and I love their cover of Satisfaction, but I... You know, if I had to kick one out of bed, it would be Devo on this one. I think the Devo version of Satisfaction makes sense to me because it's, like, still Satisfaction. It's just, like, the Devo version of it. I didn't – I guess what I didn't like about it is there was enough you really got me that I was like, okay, I know what song this is. But then there were certain, like, melodic changes where I was just like, what? why? Because why it was fun. Because it was wild. It was crazy. I guess. It went crazy places, and I I was entertained, fully entertained the entire time. That I just I'll just say that was easily my least favorite song I think <laughs> on the album. What's your most favorite? Um. Uh, you know I I will say I don't know if I had a really a favorite. Um, the song controller I thought was interesting just because this you know this album came out in nineteen eighty one and controller has a lot of like third wave Scott elements that I attribute mm. to like 1995 in it. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, I think it's really just like they only go is really good with their use of horns. Yeah. Oh, and so doing like vi- these super melodic horn parts over, over guitar just makes me think of, of Scott. So sure. Sure. Um, that was cool. Uh, the song, um, uh, what you see has some really had some really cool bass on it. Okay. Uh, on the outside, the end of the end of Imposter sounded like Presidents. I could get that. Uh, on the outside is like an anthem for me. It's mm. probably the most poppy song. No, Girls is the most poppy song. Uh, little Girls, but uh, it's icky to think about. Uh, it's, isn't it just? It's icky to say, right? It's cringy. I don't. Uh, I want. I want to hear the song because it's an earworm, but I don't want to hear it. You know. I don't want to listen yeah. to it. Uh, on the outside is, yeah, just a song that I very deeply gravitated to just for its feel and 
being angsty when I <laughs> when I discovered it and whatnot. Uh, you know, I, probably now if I if I re-listen to it, there would probably be another one that I would pick. But yeah, it's uh, that's a track for me. I'm on the outside now. It's a fun song. All right, yeah. uh, housekeeping. Yeah, this is a part of the show where we thank everybody who supports the show. So thank you, everybody who supports the I'm show. I'm going to go get water. Wanna, you hold down the mic. If you want to support us monetarily at some point in the future, you can head on over to patreon.com slash 60cyclehumcast, where for the low, 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 low price of $1 a month, I will say your name on this show. I will say thank you, person at the $1 level. Um, and uh, at the $2 level, I will do that. At the $5 level, I will send you a little merchy merch pack at the $10 level I'll send you a merch pack with some ten, $10 level stuff uh, I got a couple people I need to send some stuff to yeah so you do there you go um, that's it head on over to patreon.com and thanks everyone else who supports the show yeah I just balanced our books the other day and we're not in the black right now but we're not as in the red as we could be and it's all thanks to, <laughs> all thanks to the Patreon so thanks guys I really appreciate it I also want to give a little teaser uh, for the next three weeks, Have a teaser. we're not going to do album reviews. We're going to do movie reviews for oh, yeah. a seminal trilogy. We're going to do Bill and Ted one week. Bill and Ted. Uh, so are we going to try to go see that in theater or do you just want to video on demand? It? I assumed we would video on demand it or VOD it. Okay. If, you're, you know, if you know the speak, VOD it. Uh, but I don't know if we could somehow go to the theater together. I think that would be a fantastic experience. Yeah, I'm, I'm game. It's tougher for scheduling. Uh, you know. Oh, you know, I know, you know that I know yeah. and I know that you Cause know. Because uh, otherwise I'll just watch it in two installments while I put my kid to bed, <laughs> which, which usually takes about an hour. So that's, yeah, when, yeah. that's when I get my personal TV time. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to the new one, and I'm looking forward to revisiting the first. It two. looks really good, right? It does look really good. Yeah, yeah. I found, and uh, well, here's uh, the thing. Like, I, what I was thinking about is like, it can't. It doesn't. It would be really hard to disappoint with it because the the framework is the parts that matter are locked and solid. It's the personalities, yeah. the heart of the whole thing. If they mess with the heart of the characters which I doubt they will, then that'll screw it up. But the rest of the storyline is, it, it doesn't matter. It's comical. It's a comical version of a sci-fi thing. And it's like, it doesn't matter if it makes sense. It doesn't matter if they screw up details. It doesn't matter if it doesn't pay the right fan service. As long as the heart is there, I'm going to, I think I'm going to love it. <laughs> yeah. Why? Well, and I think, you know, I think this, uh, I think this series works in a way where it doesn't if the, if it's if this was a you know in a two hour and a half of all fan service it would fit in with the theme of the movies um the one thing I will say that I was like I was like a like a sad moment not sad bad just I mean, like a sad yeah. like aw it's no George is, uh in one of the trailers uh Kristen Shaw is in it Oh, okay. From uh, from Flight of the Concords, yeah. and I like how I still refer to her as Flight of the Concords, even though I've seen her in like ten thousand things. She's in everything. Um, but her character's name is Kelly, 
uh, and Kelly uh, Kelly Carlin was George Carlin's daughter. So uh, they, that that name that's the nod. They gave, gave her character that name as a nod. That's that's sweet. Yeah, I'm already sad just saying it. Yeah, are we gonna cry watching Bill and Ted? I hope so. I might cry. That's my plan. Maybe we should live stream ourselves watching it. <laughs> Two hour long one. <laughs> no, no, thank you. <laughs> we will do a great service to the whole crew over there and pirate their movie and display it to YouTube. Well, no, we, we won't display it. We'll just film ourselves. Like, ah. I'll film myself as I hold my phone. It's not It'll a bad just idea. Be, you'll just see this the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> No way! <laughs> um, so yeah, that's cool. You ready to hit this last ad? Let's do the, the last, last ad, of ads. and then we'll do a, like a hangout for a half an hour. Oh yeah, we have two. No, we we did we did the PVs. We've only got one one ad left. You this scared is, me. Uh, you scared me for a this moment. This is a group of expensive, wacky paint jobs sent to us by Kevin Hernandez. Oh no! What are you looking at? That is not what we're doing. Oh, is that not what we're doing? Vintage handmade Michael Krause. Oh, you, you're the one who put the uh, the other one in there, and I didn't have time to throw it into slides. I did not see this one in there. Well, there it is. This one was sent by Michael Krause. Yeah. Oh, this is the one that's on Goodwill mm-hmm. that supposedly sold for like three hundred dollars. Why? How? Two hundred and sixty dollars. If this can sell for two hundred sixty bucks, then I might be able to start being a luthier. I could make this. It only has three strings. It has potential for six. Broken. It has potential for six, Steve. Don't don't you know? Don't mislead by omitting facts. Oh, sorry. There's four strings on this. I thought there were only three. This is not a four string instrument. It just happens to be missing a few strings. It can be it can be saved. I I have trouble describing what we're looking at here for the audio podcast listeners. Kind of an earwiggy sort of shape. Uh, quadruple bottle opener. Sort of shape. All right. Here's what this is. This is a guitar. It has the uh, upper. It has the top end, so like the upper and lower horns of a Rickenbacker. Well, they're kind of it's, like if Dan Electro tried to copy a Rickenbacker sort of hook. It's got the butt of an Alembic. Yeah. It's got the seven, eight, nine, ten pieces of wood neck through construction of an alembic it's got a back contour the mind of a wolf and the heart of a man (laughs) it's funny that you said wolf because i was trying to figure out what the back of the body looks like and it is indeed some kind of kind of wolfy a a bobcat or some kind of predator i don't think they were going for any specific shape i think they were just like oops we made this too thin well it's an acoustic i think that might be like a bowl like trying to do like an ovation oh yeah yeah there's like an ovation bowl that they've carved into the back of this which is um wild it the, looks like a shark egg you know the shark egg sacks that look like purses yeah that's what it yeah. looks like or it looks like a like a, a you know like one of those wontons a pot sticker it looks like a pot sticker i almost wonder if this popped up on like some collector site as being a thing like there this this a proto olympic this mishmash of weirdness has like all of the nuts and bolts to be something like really interesting. It could be a fun guitar. I'm going to bet money it's not, but it could be. 
But that's 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 what I mean. Like, who says, "Hey, I'm gonna build a semi-hollow instrument. I'm gonna carve this totally wacky bridge thing." So I've got a picture that shows the edges of the frets there, and I mean, it looks like the same kind of fretwork that was on my mom's '80s honer that I learned on. So it looks like fine sort of factory frets for the time. I'm assuming the, this is this is '70s to early '80s. I'm yeah. guessing. The the uh, the uh, fretboard has some weird shape going on at the end. Yeah, another earwig sort of thing, double hook with a weird little bulb in there. It's decorative, and and that bulb's got a fret fret uh, marker in it. Yeah, what do you think that is? Like the twenty third fret? It might be the twenty sixth fret. I, I mean, I think it's just decorative. Yeah, you could you could hit that with a string. Yeah, it's yeah. got an acoustic um, bridge saddle on it. This is an acoustic guitar with an acoustic with an electric wing set on it. I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's trying to be like an ovation-y sort of thing, some sort of loot sort of concept. The f holes well, that, look like that's... the f holes look, look like cartoon eyeballs. <laughs> Do you see that? Yeah, maybe this like is really eyes. this is actually supposed to be some kind of weird looking cat. Well, maybe maybe the the bridge because the bridge is like almost like a Nickelodeon splatter shape, going one direction. Yeah, like a drippy psychedelic sort of thing, or it could be like some sort of weird lumpy mustache. I'm seeing a really cute Pokemon emerge from this. Are you seeing a Pokemon right now? So you're saying that somebody paid two hundred and sixty dollars for this because they felt like they had to catch them all? I'm gonna say I'm just say it right now, guys. This is not the four twenty week. Is that a Pokemon guitar? Are you seeing a Pokemon in that guitar? <laughs> I mean, I can kind of see a Pokemon. A, in this I think guitar. there's a Pokemon in that guitar. <laughs> Look at his cute little face, and there's like his ears, and those are little feet. I need to do a little drawing to show what I'm what I'm seeing. Here. I understand what you're saying. I see it. It, it kind of looks like a shy guy. You know what a shy guy is? No, but it sounds adorable. Not a shy, not a shy guy. Um, it's a it's a ninja from Super Mario Brothers. Oh 2. yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see that. Yeah, totally. I don't know. Someone paid two hundred something bucks for this. They mu- they must have wanted to make a donation to the goodwill. Uh, I guess I would have top bid sixty five dollars on this. It's it's um, just too it's just too arts and crafts looking. Uh, it's too like wood shop county fair display sort of thing. Wood class display mm-hmm. where it's like this too wonky in too many ways. Um, it's nothing more than a curiosity. And if it happens to be a good player, then that's amazing. But I'm going to guess by the condition of the strings that no one was excited to play this. Well, I mean, it's in a Goodwill, man. Yeah, but how did it... That's another another point, dude. How did it end up in a Goodwill, you know? Because <laughs> someone wasn't excited to play this. Right, yeah. I mean, maybe... Like, that's what I'm saying. Maybe, you know, this was actually uh, a prototype... Alembic, that the Alembic guy, um, Rickenbacker and Alembic were having secret talks and like let's do something together. They did this. They looked at each other and like we will never speak of this. And so it's just been sitting in an attic for the last you know uh, 
They threw it in the ocean. 30 years. They threw it in the ocean and it drifted away and it just recently drifted back on shore. And whoever plays it is gifted with superpowers that are also a curse. Are you saying that there is a soul trapped in this guitar? Yes. Uh, and somebody tried to free it by throwing this guitar in the ocean and letting it drift away? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is haunted this is a haunted cursed guitar it is definitely cursed uh all right uh, you want to get out of here yeah talk about the song and then we'll do half hour hangout with yep. uh everyone uh, on the youtube this chats. song was sent by mick g mick back Jagger. in december back in december this song is called Danton surfing oh fun Danton surfing i don't know what that means I don't know either. All right, audio people. Have a good one. Enjoy the song uh, and stay grounded. <laughs>